0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by The Great Grow Along. Sign up at greatgrowalong.com.
2: This is What Doesn't Kill You? Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and I am just pleased as punch to bring forth Barry Estabrook, one of my very favorite writers. Um, He's been on the show only a couple of times for Pigtails, I think was the last time. And I don't think I knew you when you published Tomato Land. But anyway, people should know your name uh, in case you don't. Barry is a James Beard Award-winning journalist uh, whose books include the aforementioned Tomato Land and Pigtails, and his latest book, Just Eat, One Reporter's Quest for a Weight Loss Regimen That Works, came out just last month from Lorena Jones' books imprint at 10 Speed Press. Um, Welcome to the show, Barry. It's great to have you back. It's been quite a while.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure, Katie.
2: (laughs) So... Um, So the way this book, the genesis of this book was that your doc gives you the bad news that you have to lose some weight. Had you been a dieter before or was that a whole new experience for you?
3: It was totally new. (laughs) I never I didn't think I was the type of person who did things like go on diets. I, I, you know, I I'd been gaining weight probably since i graduated from university at about a rate of a pound a year mm-hmm. so it kind of crept on yeah. yeah but i was plenty strong and i sort of compensated for the extra weight you know that way and it never really the weight never really affected me uh, socially romantically at least I hope not. <laughs> well,
2: um, you're married, right? Uh,
3: professionally. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> wow, leave right. you. Pro- profession- <laughs> no, pro- <laughs> professionally, whatever. But yeah, I went in to, to see my doctor, have a family history of heart heart disease. Yikes. And although he's a very quiet, um, you know, man and and never comes across heavy-handed in any way, he basically said, look, I'm giving you all the uh, um, blood pressure medicine I can. I'm giving you all the cholesterol medicine I can. Mm-hmm. You're maxed out. And you're going to have to lose weight if you want to get these two things under control. And it was sort of a come to Jesus moment. I mean, yeah. I did not want to follow the great family tradition of, of, uh, of having a, a heart attack or a stroke uh, yeah. or prematurely. So or, or ever. I thought, okay, <laughs> right, or whatever. Put, put whatever happens off, I guess. Yes, is you don't ever want to have either but, of
2: those things.
3: Right. Right. So I decided to do something I'd never done, which was conscientiously decide to go on a diet.
2: So you explored a lot of diets, but how many diets did you actually go on yourself and then how many did you end up including whilst writing the book?
3: Well, it, it, they overlap a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I rounded off to around a dozen diets. Um, you know, if, you, if you're on a keto diet, for instance, you're also on a paleo diet right. and a gluten-free diet. Um, so. Uh, I I touched on about a dozen different diets, um, and really focused down on on three diets because I found in my research that basically there are only three diets. Right. All the rest, it's a matter of branding, coming up with a clever name: South Beach, or or Paleo, or you know Whole 30 they They're just attaching a clever marketing ga- name two concepts that were really developed in the middle of the 1800s.
2: Amazing, Barry. So first let's let's drill down a little bit on the financials here. The diet be, I mean you had some extraordinary numbers in the beginning of this book. Tell us about how much money is generated by the diet industry as a whole.
3: It's it's over Seventy billion with a B Ooh. dollars a year yeah, in the but United States. You put that in perspective. It's it's way more than we spend on fresh produce, for instance, or any sort of produce. Wow, um, it's it's a huge number. It individually breaks out. People are spending. Um, up to eighty percent more for the food they eat while they're on diets than they spend um, normally. Things like that. Yeah, that
2: that blew so my it's, mind. It's just, I mean, How are they doing that? It's because they're buying yeah. brand specific stuff, like Jenny Craig, or I'm think I'm trying to think of, like, or Weight Watchers, or is it meal plans that they're spending all this money you're, you're, on, or is it just they have to shop a whole new pantry in order to fulfill the requirements?
3: Both. Okay. I mean, you know, the meal plan things, or. Are, of course, are very expensive. Um, Weight Watchers isn't a meal plan, but you can buy Weight Watchers brand, uh, uh, you know, fudgesicles and Weight Watchers brand string cheese, <laughs> and uh, they're more expensive than than the uh, the standard stuff you get in the grocery store, which is essentially similar. Mm. Um, so, and and you notice anything in the grocery store that's fat free or lean or anything is is, is priced higher than uh, than the normal stuff yeah right and yes um when i went on to a vegetarian a vegan vegan scheme i did have to stock up with a lot of things that that i i didn't usually buy and they were expensive yeah
2: because you end up having to go to like a to buy
3: five different five different varieties of dried mushrooms right <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it surprised me there. Absolutely. Now, you, your first, let's let let's
2: get busy with the first concept. You mentioned Whole30, that was your first diet. And I was interested to see that the principal people who were involved in creating this magical diet plan actually had no scientific education about nutrition or food. They were not registered dietitians. Um, they were not, they had no degrees in nutrition. Would you say that that is a fairly common, um, that, that that lack of, of credential is fairly common within the industry?
3: I would say um, that they're probably an exception. Most of the the famous popular diets of recent years, the, uh, the inventors have at least been uh, medical doctors. Uh-huh. Right. But ironically, that's not saying a whole lot, because in medicine school... Uh, you don't learn a whole lot about nutrition. No. You know, doctors will be the first to tell you that they really. You know, I, I interviewed Arthur Agatston, who, who wrote the South Beach Diet, and that's, he said he knew very little about nutrition mm-hmm. after years as a as a cardiologist. cardiologist. Amazing. Um, so, modern diets you usually need to have some sort of credential just just as a platform. Right. Even if your specialty, your doctor, you know, the guy that, that invented the uh, paleo diet, for instance, is a radiologist, a, an x-ray guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's doctor-eaten, but, you know, radiologists aren't nutritionists. No. And it goes on like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, see, That's that to me seemed like an overarching thread. Yeah, sure, you've got the doc credential, but you know, that doesn't, I mean, anybody who's been in a hospital knows that nutrition and medical care do not go hand in hand. Um, You know, it's just, it's axiomatic. You just have
3: to to visit a hospital cafeteria. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, and God forbid you're a patient. I mean, I, um, I think (laughs) some, some hospitals are making, uh, you know, more of an effort to include whole foods, whole grains, uh, you know, slightly healthier <laughs> levels of food but i mean i i spent a week in the hospital in um november and uh i was served up jello and i was on a liquid diet and i was served up things like jello and and broth made from a powder that was literally so salty i was gagging i mean it was you know it was <laughs> nothing was edible you know Anyway, but I digress. This is not about me. It's about you.
3: you so you, you might you might have a new diet scheme there. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: I will yeah. tell you one
3: thing. Katie's hospital food. Yeah, diet. really.
2: You go on one of those liquid diets for a few weeks. You're going to lose some weight, homie. Oh yeah, I lost yeah. me like mm, twelve pounds in two weeks. And I have not put it back on. Mm -hmm. So there you go. But it was not a fun experience. Um, One of the things that I loved was that you explored the myth of the cleanse. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the cleanse, but having a friend whose daughter just invested a large sum of money in her cleanse. um, I said nothing to her, uh, but I want you to talk about the absolutely absurd notion of a cleanse.
3: Oh yeah, I went on something called the Master cleanse, mm. which is uh, is one of the popular um cleanses out there. Be- I went on it mainly because Beyoncé went on it to lose money to uh or to lose weight to make uh, a movie. <laughs> and uh, and I came to the conclusion, well, maybe someone's paying you tens of millions of dollars to do a movie. <laughs> it's worth going on a cleanse, but otherwise, uh uh-uh. uh um yeah, starvation yeah, so I, I essentially. Did what, <laughs> I, I did a cleanse where all that I quote unquote ate was a lemonade made out of uh, maple syrup, lemon juice, mm. hot water, and cayenne pepper. Yes, I've heard of that and one. It tastes just mm. it, it, it 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 tastes awful. Really? The only good thing I could say about well, if you combine the worst of all of those things, the sort of you know acid of the lemon and the and the cloyingness of the maple syrup and the and the peppery sandy gritty taste of the cayenne you end up with what it's like mm. and the only good thing i could say about it is after you drink it you're not very hungry for a few minutes Yeah, right right so i did that yeah and then at the at the end of each day i um according per the, per the instructions i had a, a laxative tea oh nice um <laughs> It really worked. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> Between the cayenne and the fight. yeah. And what is that supposed you're to exactly be cleansing right.
2: you of? Like what you know, in the the, the science behind it's a cleanse to... is what? You're supposed to be cleansing toxins of some sort? What are they talking about? Wait,
3: there is, if you ask any responsible researcher, nutritionist, there is no science behind a cleanse. Thank you. There's mythology that you're you're washing toxins out of your body. Well, you know, our livers and kidneys figured out how to do that a long, long time ago and are very efficient at it. (laughs) So, cleanses don't cleanse you. Cleanses don't cleanse you in the least. Right, your organs cleanse you. But there's
2: millions of dollars to be made in these juice cleanses where you like drink beet juice one day. I mean, it's really expensive. I mean, you can do the master cleanse, which is just starvation, but you can do these juice cleanses, which are very expensive, where they deliver it neatly packaged to your door. And there's, you know, New York City now has one of those places every other block, it would appear. But anyway, (laughs) I just wanted to explode the
3: cleanse. Yeah, no, but you you don't, um, you know, your body does all the cleansing it needs. So. Of course. So you're not cleansing yourself. You may be losing weight. You may be doing other things. You may be getting off booze or whatever it is that you're cleansing for, but you're not cleansing yourself at all. Right.
2: And and you're also with the laxative. You're also basically losing a lot of water weight. So you're going to look like you're you've lost five pounds maybe at the end of a week, but actually you've just lost a lot of water weight, right?
3: You lose water through the the uh, the laxative effect. Yeah. You're exactly right. In fact, that's what probably the cayenne is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's irritating your bowels, which causes you to flush them. Your system to try to flush water through them to get rid of the irritation. <laughs> but the other thing is, when you're on a very low calorie diet, um, your your system has to shift from from burning glucose sugar as as your primary fuel. Mm-hmm. For your metabolism, to glycogen, which is a chemical stored in the liver. And that's fine, but glycogen comes attached to water molecules. Mm -hmm. And when you use that glycogen, um, the water molecules are, are, are cast away. So you lose those along with, you know, as you burn that. And then the minute you go back to eating normally, your liver builds up glycogen again. It has to get all that water back in to, to hold the glycogen. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's um, what, what you're losing is water. Right.
2: So, yeah, talk about the yo yo effect. Um, now, at the very beginning of the show, you said that there were essentially only three basic diets, and they were established first by Sylvester Graham, was one of them, William Banting was another one, and a woman named Lulu Peters. And everything since then has Mm -hmm. just been a variation on those themes. So can you take us through exactly what Sylvester Graham, William Banting, and Lulu Peters proposed in their, you know, 19th century
3: wisdom? Yeah, well, let's start with Sylvester Graham. He was a a Presbyterian minister and um, firmly believed that you should eat a very bland... Um, total vegetarian diet without spices without coffee tea just a very um totally carbohydrate and very bland diet mm. um he did this for for reasons of um he was he was mortified about uh, um, the people having high libidos and and uh, having sex <laughs> um, and and um felt that if you ate that type of diet you would you would abstain from those those practices, and so he came out with what essentially was the very first you know, low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet, which lives on with you know, Dean Ornish's diets, the Prudicin diet, a lot, any of the diets, even the American Heart Association diet, which advocates extreme, you know, fairly extreme low-fat or close So that was in the. In the early 1800s, early to mid-1800s.
2: Wow.
3: I should say, Graham, two things. One, he's still known through the Graham Cracker. Um, Which he, I love. That's I still him. love a Graham Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I think he wouldn't approve of the modern honey graham <laughs> yeah, and sugary things. Not. but not. Yeah. His namesake, anyway, carries on. Um, but he also died very young. <laughs> very sickly, so maybe maybe
2: and yet the diet lives on little,
3: incredible and yeah that's the that any of those ultra low fat um carb, high carb know, diets wood fats hard yeah. meats right high carb diets his are his his offspring um and then this another great fellow um namely william banting, he was a british undertaker. and coffin builder and but to the star i mean to royalty he was the high end if you got undertaken by panting you were you were nobility right quality anyway he was about five foot six inches tall and weighed a couple of hundred pounds and change Mm -hmm. and he got so fat that he couldn't tie his shoes he couldn't go upstairs properly or downstairs he he couldn't take care of life's little necessities, as he said, oh. um, and so he lost weight by just doing the opposite. He he, he went on sort of the first of the um, ultra low carb diets. The, the he ate all the meat he could possibly eat, and 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 basically no carbohydrates. And he pounds dropped off, and he could get back climbing stairs again and. And um, became he wrote a it's really a pamphlet of about twenty pages that became an international bestseller wow. um, for a time in England. The word Banting, his last name Banting, was synonymous with dieting. It'd be like I'm Banting to lose some weight. <laughs> um, and he became you know world famous, and uh, in fact lived to a ripe old age. So and then. At about the turn of the century, the turn of the nineteenth twentieth century, um, scientists um, discovered the calorie. Right. In at first, it was a calorie is just a measure of heat. Right. It's nothing to do with food in and of itself. It's just a measurement, like inches measure distance, or well, calories measure heat, and it's the amount of heat required to to um, to heat. Um, uh, water up by a degree Celsius. So after they discovered it as a sort of a physical notion, chemical notion, nutritionists, food scientists got a hold of it and they figured out, well, they they could calculate how many calories of food people needed to say, lose weight, gain weight, do heavy work, do light work, and it, it became increasingly popular, especially after and during World War I, when there was a concerted effort for people not to eat too much so that the soldiers could have proper food. Mm. So don't eat more calories than you're supposed to. And also then the flapper era came in and everybody wanted to you know, have a slim figure. It was no longer stylish to be portly or hourglass-shaped. So people started counting calories. Mm. Um, and this doctor um, from the West Coast, Lulu Hunt Peters, uh, really popularized the notion of, of just... She basically said, you're no longer going to think about food. You're going to think about calories. You're no longer going to think about a, pie, a piece of pie. You're going to think about 400 calories. Mm. Um, and, and made that a popular way... To, to monitor and lose weight, and it's, 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 it exists today through, through weight, weight Watchers, or WW Internationals it's now called, mm-hmm. um, Jenny Craig, um, Noom, any of those things, which really are just ways for you to reduce total calories. You're not giving up carbs, you're not giving up protein, you're just limiting your calories. Mm-hmm. So those are the three, the three basic diets cut out food groups, carbs, proteins, meat, or simply don't cut anything out and monitor your intake of calories. Right,
2: right. And then I, I we can't leave this particular moment without having you describe <clears throat> the Fletcher diet and fletcherizing because the, <laughs> the the end product of fletcherizing your food uh, was to produce turds the size of a green olive, which I just found that so hilarious. So tell people what fletcherizing is.
3: <laughs> well, you know, well, I, I'll happily do well, that. The, the reason I went into all of these weird diets, though, is at the time these diets were considered the peak of scientific, mm. you know, nutrition. They were the they. These were people who were taken seriously. Yeah, they they be, wrote bestsellers. They were you know fame. They you know so it 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 helps keep dieting in perspective. The diet you go on today may be like fletcherizing. So fletcherizing was basically you had to chew every bite of food you took um, at a hundred bites, hundred chews, I guess per minute. At that rate, steady hundred. And you had to chew it until it was completely tasteless, devoid of taste and and a sort of watery slurry wow before swallowing it and it swept the world people were you know they'd have you'd have parties of of you know society women gathering around with stopwatches, counting them to chews and not talking and just John D. Rockefeller followed it, Franz Kafka followed it, um, Thomas Edison followed it. They they just. And Fletcher himself, um, you're right, he had a curious, kind of a, I don't know, a disturbing preoccupation with his um, feces.
2: Yes, perhaps I've just demonstrated that I have one because I found that so funny.
3: I ain't, I ain't saying anything, um, but, 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 but so, yeah, he thought that by chewing so much, you prevented putrefaction of your food in, in your gut. It, you know, you, the food would be properly prepared to enter your digestive system, and it would not produce um, putrid matter. <laughs> right to, and like you said he would he would have a bowel movement every two weeks. Oh my God and, and, <laughs> and a, he quote unquote about the size of a queen all over yeah, right was... and, he, and he said it was to, to, <laughs> and he said it was totally inoffensive. yes um, no, no more offensive than again a warm biscuit <laughs> um, And the texture the texture of clay. But but he carried the he carried the proof around in his pocket in case oh, cut you know, it out, somebody Barry. doubted it. He could he could <laughs> No he did. He, he was ready to you know, okay, you don't believe it? Here My um, well, here's so. last
2: week's product. Oh my god, buddy, that's <laughs> unbelievable. But you know, as you're telling me this, I'm starting to realize that right at the time that these diets began to become important you know, these first three dieting, you know, gurus, as it were, was basically the same time as the Industrial Revolution began to sweep uh, the Western, most, you know, Western countries, primarily. I'm going to leave out the, you know, developing world. And that was, at the same time, the time when people began to not work outdoors as much, to not do as much physical labor, because machines were starting to, to fill in those uh labor um you know efforts and so people probably began to gain weight because uh not just you know i mean i'm sure there were styles as you said the flappers and all that stuff but people began to to put on pounds because the level of activity probably began to decrease as machines took up more and more of everyday uh you know labor for just keeping a household running what do you think of that theory
3: well, there were a couple of things going on at the same time. Yes, you didn't have to expend near the energy. I mean, think of you know, what it must have been like before you know, electricity came or anything. Um, but at the same time, especially in the United States, we were producing enormous quantities of food. In the, in the, in the 1800s, you know, visitors from Europe were flabbergasted that even poor people in the United States were able to eat meat and you know we we were the, the the land was rich and the country was rich in food compared to other countries, so you had a couple of different things going on at the same time yeah yeah, combined with um you know a sort of ethic that we really didn't have a, a a food culture at all, not like you know. France or Italy or Greece, and so we had all this food and we ate, yeah, and ate and ate.
2: And anybody who reads old cookbooks for fun, which I often do, I have quite a collection of them. Is, I mean, when you look at the sample menus uh, that were being promoted to your average housewife, um, the quantity of food involved in each one, including breakfast, which would be you know beef steak and potatoes and sausages and fried tomatoes and you know it just was breathtaking the quantity. Of food that you were encouraged to serve as a, you know, as a middle class housewife. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We have to take a short break right now. Uh, We'll be right back with Barry Estherbrook talking about his fantastic new book, Just Eat. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Great Grow Along a three-day hosted virtual garden festival connecting you with the influencers, tastemakers, and cutting-edge content of today's gardening world. The Great Grow Along will feature 40-plus sessions on topics ranging from houseplants to DIY landscaping. New plant parents and first-time gardeners will gain practical advice and creative inspiration from celebrated garden experts and industry leaders. Costing $29.95, tickets allow attendees to mix and match a wide range of sessions or choose to follow one of the conference's six tracks, which include edible gardening, urban gardening, pollinators and plants, DIY landscaping, houseplants, and dig deeper. The Great Grow Along will take place March 19th through 21st, 2021. Sign up at greatgrowalong.com.
2: Let's move on, Barry, because we are, uh, horribly enough, we're almost, we're running out of time. I don't want to keep you too long, but I I do want to to get on to the incredibly successful diets, um, the Dean Ornish diet, and and sort of have you compare and compress Ornish versus South Beach, and then South Beach versus Atkins, because my sister-in-law, for example... Uh, has been on the Atkins diet for a bajillion years at this point. She's been part of my family for over 30 years. She's never lost an ounce of weight, um, and yet she persists. <laughs> she persists in not allowing me to serve a potato or a bean. <laughs> so how does the science stack up on those diets?
3: Well, um, Ornish is is kind of the... Uh, the uh, the most prominent now of the ultra ultra low fat diets. Um, he's the, you know primarily vegan. Um, yeah. Even even and and not and all fats are kind of very much limited, including olive oil, vegetable oils, olive oil. Um, so the diet is about ten percent fat, which is a third of what the American heart. Association and the, and the USDA say we should be getting. Um, so you're eating, you know, a very lean diet. The, the notion is that that will prevent heart attacks and strokes and, and diabetes and a lot of the, uh, the sort of conditions that are becoming increasingly common um, to this, mm-hmm. in this day and age. And I did go on it and I did lose weight and gained it back again. Almost immediately, <laughs> simply because it was, for me, it was too. I could stay on it, but it just required tremendous effort. And mm-hmm. secondly, you know, it and it's true with a lot of diets. There's no joy. <laughs> there's no. I love um, to eat. It's it's uh, yes. you know it's 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 one of the blessings that everybody can can have and. And you know, I love sitting around the table. I love eating, and there's none of that um, in in the program. So I eventually right. realized that I couldn't live that way. Um, you know, it's like they say: it's easy to to lose live long. You just have to give up eating everything that makes living long worthwhile. Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah
3: s- i'm not having any of that <laughs> <laughs> so then i so then i i, I spent a, a month or so on the south beach diet which is 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 a uh, a low carb high protein regime sort of the opposite of, of yep. uh, ornish um, and um, it was easier and I did lose weight um, but again just following the diet was not it, it wasn't the way I eat. You know, occasionally I want a a, a sandwich. Sorry. <laughs> occasionally I want to come up from the office and slap a piece and eat between two pieces of good bread. Yeah. Occasionally I occasionally I just I like to have an artisanal uh, loaf of sourdough bread. Um things like that. Or a pizza. Um, a pizza <laughs> I mean, or, please. Or, or a good pasta dish. Um yeah. and these were gone. These these yeah were gone. So again, it, it, was, it was the same ultimate conclusion is, yeah, there was stuff to learn there, but I couldn't, I couldn't stick to that diet. And plus, the sheer, it's, a friend of mine who's been on it for a long time calls it the chop-chop diet, because it involves yeah. chopping so many vegetables and you're always cutting and chopping and whacking. There's no sort of, you know, you, you got to have, a, it'd be a great diet if you had a personal chef who did all the work. Um, I don't sure. happen to be in that position, um, and
2: well, and some so, of us actually enjoy cooking, you know. So there's, <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't want to make cooking too much of a job if you like to cook. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're not in a yeah, restaurant you don't setting, want to spend, I don't have a,
3: a forty-five minutes to prepare a, sal- a you know a complex salad with for lunch every day. Yeah, no. You know, some some days I want something quite simple. Um, and then, so the Atkins diet is an extreme version of South Beach. They're all in that sort of um, banting, <laughs> you know, it's okay to eat meat, don't, don't eat Right, because so, K- keto and family.
2: paleo are kind of an extension of Atkins slash South Beach.
3: Well, in right? fact, in, in Atkins's you know, his, his first book, uh, that, that introduced the concept, he uses, you know, he, exactly those terms. To, this was in the early 70s, so way ahead mm-hmm. of um, them becoming popular. He he mentioned that we should eat more like our paleo ancestors, um, oh, meaning boy. plenty of meat, no no very few simple carbs. And then he, he went on and on about um, ketosis, which is a scientific Term for, for burning glycogen instead of um, uh, glucose um, mm-hmm. and uh, ketosis is is you know, that's where the name keto diet um, came from um, so right yeah he, he anticipated all those and you know all of these diets you'll lose weight um, most of them you you will come out as a wash after um, a year or so, you know, you lose weight on Onus, you lose weight on Atkins, you lose about the same, and you'll gain it back in most cases.
2: If you don't stay absolutely, you know, committed to that lifestyle, it's really, it's essentially a lifestyle change, which makes me, which brings me to Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Curves, Noom. These are all um, diets where, first of all, you watch the calories, as you pointed out, it's part of the Lulu Peter's uh, you know, trio of, (laughs) or the Lulu Peters school of dieting. But then also there's a big part of community in that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how the sort of the daily way or the weekly weigh-ins, the, the sort of rah, rah cheerleading aspect of it was, did you find that useful or helpful? Did that encourage you to stay on the diet? How was that? How did that play out for you?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, Weight Watchers has cleverly done away with the word calorie. Ah.
2: And they, instead, <laughs> they give
3: each food um, points. Each mm. each food item has a certain number of points, and you're given a, a limit of points that you can have per day. It simplifies it, and it takes away the sort of uh, clinical diet sound of calories. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a um, – and the – the fact is that for a lot of, for some people, it really works. It's one of the yep. more scientifically tested programs, and if you're the right person, it works. You can you can you know be be successful. It's expensive. It's mm-hmm. going to cost you seven or eight hundred dollars a year just in in sort of tuition to get the full program. Wow. And if you're but I really am not much of a group guy, right? <laughs> and so I found, you know, it, it wasn't my solution. But you know, I would almost recommend people try Weight Watchers because I have friends who, who do does who do find <laughs> sorry, that it that it works for them. It, they like mm-hmm. the, the idea of going to these meetings once a week, and you know, you have a, you're with a group of people who all have the same issues. Um, there's no um, no shame in being a little overweight. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it, it uh, you know, and, 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 and during my stay, I learned a lot by doing this daily counting, which now you can do on an iPhone app um, cool. of, of, of points. I, I learned that I, where I had some big issues that I hadn't really thought about. So I, I sort of found areas where I could cut back and and stay within my limits for the day. Or if I didn't cut back, then I would inevitably exceed my limits. So it taught me a lot about my eating habits. Just this huh. process of keeping track of everything.
2: Right, right. Interesting. So you've managed, so that particular little nugget of, you know, just like being mindful that, you know, I think you made the point that you had been in the habit of, you know, grabbing a bag of potato chips and a bottle of water when you got, you know, filled up your gas tank or something. And 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 through Weight Watchers, you looked at that and you thought, oh, my God, I'm eating an extra 2000 calories a week that I don't need to eat. I mean, it, yeah, it was, that it sounds very stu-
3: useful to know that. It, right. And it was, it, it was a question of, of not giving it proper thought. You mm-hmm. know, I, I live... A, Often we we bopped down to a little delicatessen gas station place near home and, and grabbed a, a sandwich and, a, and a, a little bag of chips. Harmless. Right. Until you yeah. realize those little bags of chips have, you know, three and four hundred calories in them. You yeah. do that a few times a week. That's like having an extra day of eating. If not. So, yeah, it was... Yeah. I flunked every diet I went on. I was a classic... <laughs> It was, it was it, you know, it was, I was a little upset about how, you know, banal I am. Research shows if you go on a diet, you lose 5 to 10 percent of your weight, keep it off for a little while, and then gain every ounce back. And I was a master of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did it repeatedly. I did it a dozen times. It was getting depressing. Oof. Very depressing. And, but then when I finally started looking at, at things and, and looking at where my big problems were, I realized I had learned a lot on every diet. Even though uh. I failed, I had learned. On Ornish, I had learned, hey, there's nothing the matter with having two or three plant-based meals a week. It's not right. a sacrifice. Um, I I learned the value of of you know good big salads for lunch instead of of potato chips and sandwiches. I'd learned uh-huh. um, uh, you know one thing I learned was for me and, and it, it's not everybody by any means was it was helpful to to quit, quit drinking. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I'm well no, people, what I mean <laughs> no no. Well, I'm one of those people <laughs> who who finds it much harder much more taxing to sort of carefully monitor you know, pour out an ounce of this or a five ounce glass of wine and I find it harder to have the not I find it harder to skip the second glass of wine than the first so I, I finally oh, just yeah. said to hell with it to hell with it I'll, 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 I don't need to have the last but that's me I mean, you know what the ultimate answer is you've got to look into your own eating habits. Find out what will work for you and go that direction. You shouldn't follow a diet. You should lead a diet. And so the way to, to lose weight is to look at how you eat now every day. We're all a diet, you know, food eating is highly personal. Sure. And see if you can amend how you normally eat in ways where you'll be taking in less sugars, less simple carbohydrates, less alcohol, um, but still be eating your way. Right. And no one likes to be told how to eat, you know, starting from about age six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> that is and, very and, true. You know, so what you're getting, somebody you don't know has got this template and they're saying, uh, you know, a diet and they're saying, here's what you have to follow. That ain't going to work. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. If you look to yourself first and shift that, it's easy. It doesn't require willpower, and, and it, you'll, it started to work.
2: So in the end, what, how, how much, do you mind my asking, if you lost like, the, the target weight that you were hoping to lose? I'm still a bit of a work in progress. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. But I, I, right.
3: I've, uh, the doctor wanted me to lose 40 pounds. And that's I'm down yeah. about twenty six, twenty-eight pounds at the moment. And oh, I'm that's still great. um but the main thing is those problems, that high cholesterol yeah. and high blood pressure, they're gone.
2: Wow. So you they're don't have to take it. medication for those at all?
3: Nope, they're gone. They they um you know, you don't have to lose a huge amount of weight to have tremendous health benefits. I, I intend to continue going down because its I'm not doing anything. You know, like I say, it's requiring no willpower, no extra mm-hmm. exercise. It's just looking mm-hmm. into where, where I was making, you know, where those 40 extra pounds had come from. Right, right.
2: Well, I mean, they, they do say like, that your metabolism slows down a bit as you age as well, right? I mean, I was thin as a rake as a young person. And by the time I hit 50, well, that wasn't so true anymore. <laughs> and I didn't really change my habits. <laughs> my my yeah. body, you know, pulled, slipped, pulled a fast one on me, basically.
3: <laughs> well, your metabolism <laughs> slows down as you age, but it also slows down as you lose weight on a diet, which is another mm-hmm. reason why for this yo-yo dieting phenomenon. So weirdly exercising a lot doesn't help you a whole lot losing weight. Right. But it's vital to keeping weight off that you have lost. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And the reason it works is it it boosts your metabolism. Do a bit of exercise. Right, right. So. uh,
2: Yeah. So Barry, we're going to have to wrap it up, but um, I want you to promote yourself and your events. Like where... Are you speaking anywhere? Are you doing any Zoom book touring? Or um, where can people, you know, find out more? Or basically, just listen to you.
3: Other uh, well, events? Uh, there's a fun event going on uh, April the sixth, um, where the uh, the Charleston, South Carolina Post Courier is having kind of a uh, a, a Zoom FaceTime um, session with several of their readers, and anybody who've who've uh, you know read the book or, or are interested in this just getting together for a, a big round table type of discussion. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And you have a website politics of the plate, right?
3: Yes. Uh huh, politicsoftheplate.com.
2: And you still maintain that you still blog on that?
3: Not so much anymore.
2: Mhm. Well, you're gonna to have to get busy now, dude. You're promoting a book. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, Barry, it's been a great pleasure to have you on. I, I have to say, in in your in your wildest dreams and in your long and storied career as a journalist, did you ever anticipate that you would become a diet guru of sorts yourself?
3: <laughs> it, I well, sure didn't. You know, well, I almost <laughs> said that my whole my whole you know career was based on people should know what they eat should understand what you're eating and then make informed choices I mean we're we're sort of illiterate about food yes uh, that's very true you know the grocery store retail food industry loves that so I just said know know what you're eating just understand the background give it a little thought and when I went on that first diet I realized that I was guilty of not, you know, of being mindless about what I was eating. I gave, you know, that first diet. I gave it no more thought mm-hmm. than I do when I go in to, you know, pick up a bag of potato, a bag of potatoes, not chips anymore, mm-hmm. in right, in the grocery store. Gave no thought. So I thought, yeah. well, you know, you got to practice what you preach. And so I tried to turn those same skills, investigative and reportorial skills, onto the dieting phenomenon. To see, see if I could learn something. about what I was doing, and, and when I you, on a diet you did, and why diets don't work, and and so it, right. it was different from what I usually do. But on the other hand, it, it kind of came from the same source, which is be mindful of what you eat. You yeah. owe, you owe you owe yourself that much, and you owe the animals that much, and you owe the environment that much. Just be mindful.
2: Yeah. Words to Live By. Barry, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Really fun talking to you, as always, and uh, wish you absolutely all the best with this book. I hope it goes gangbusters for you. Thank you very much, Katie. You're welcome. And that's it for today. Thanks to my sponsor and thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week with another great show. I think Leah Douglas joins me next week to give us an update on the meatpacking industry. So um, for those of you who've been following with Leah, you won't want to miss that episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. What Doesn't Kill You is powered by Simplecast.